Well, good morning, Heights family. It's sure good to see all of you this morning. We have a little bit of a different message, a little bit different presentation of that message. So I thought we would just go ahead, if since we're being different, and just start differently and just make it that way the whole time. So we're going to stand this morning as we read God's Word. If y'all would all stand together with me, join us out there at Midlothian. And if you have your Bible with you, turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and uh, we're going to begin reading. I'm going to read in verse 9 and following. And as you're turning there, I, I want us to remember this because we're a group of people. I mean, we, we carry a Bible. We have a Bible. We turn to it. We read. We, we know what's important, right? This is, a, this is an important book. But I think even with all that being true, every now and then we need to remember this is what God is saying. This is what God is saying to you. What's kind of an issue in your life right now? Is it something in your marriage? Maybe with your kids? Is there a problem at work? And I'm thinking relational. You're not quite, you know, you're just a little bit at odds with. Not quite where you want to be. Maybe you're way far away from where you want to be. You know, when things are not right in our home, in our world, we, we want an answer, right? We want to get it fixed. I don't want that tension. I don't want that conflict. Folks, God has an answer for you and me. And you're going to hear that answer right now. And there are words that you and I hear and they, we acknowledge them and we play to them. But do we do it? Do we do it? Do we love? Do we give peace just where there's already love and where there's already peace? Or do we seek to carry these things to the places that are most tense? Listen to me as I read Romans chapter 12. I'm going to begin in verse 9. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. As you read along, you'll see it's saying the same thing, but it might sound a little different. Don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. Hate. Hate what is wrong. Stand on the side of good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight. Don't, don't just honor each other. Actually take delight in it. Let it be your joy. Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Be glad for all God is planning for you. Be patient in trouble and always be prayerful. When God's children are in need, be the one to help them out. And get into the habit of inviting guests home for dinner or if they need lodging for the night. If people persecute you because you're a Christian, don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. When others are happy, be happy with them. If they're sad, if you know a Christian brother or sister that is sad, that should so affect you that you're sad also. Whether you experience what they experience, are bothered by what they experience, agree or disagree. If they're a Christian brother or sister, if they're sad, you're sad. Don't try, or verse 16, live in harmony with each other. Don't try to act important, but enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never. There's no situation, there, there, there's no scenario where you pay back evil for evil to anyone. Do things in such a way that everyone, every single person in your life can see you're honorable. 
Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. You may be seated. We are a people who love. Boy, I never heard that in church before, right? Wow, be loving. I mean, there's, there's nothing more religious. There's nothing more common. There's no, nothing that I think we could say in church that'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Are we doing it? I mean, that is our challenge. That is our responsibility. That is the call of God on your life and in my life to be a people who are defined, who are described by love. The passage that we just read seemed to kind of, didn't it, elaborate on love, uh, expand on love with words like honor. We are a people who honor and give value to others. Obviously, it's fun, it's easy when I already love those people, but it didn't say honor those you already love and get along with, did it? Man, everybody should see how you and I give honor to life, to human life, to people. We're respectable. Did you hear that? We honor, we respect, we respect authority, we respect rules, we, we respect people, we respect and value human life. Harmony, did you hear that word? We're a people of harmony. You know what we don't do? We don't poke, we don't prod, we don't say things so that I can get you to dislike them. So that I can get you to doubt them. So that I can get you to be questionable about... That's not what we do. There might be a reason for it. You, you might have a real good reason. You need to get this person to dislike this person. This person to question that whole group. You might have a very good reason. It's just not what we do. Harmony is what we do. A person of peace. You know, the passage didn't say, go home and do whatever it takes to make peace with those you're already at peace with. Where do you need to apply peace? Where there's not peace, right? So far as it depends upon you, you can't make another person, you can't make another group be peaceful. You can't make them come to the table and work it out. But God says, but you do everything that's your part. You do everything, 100%. There's nothing missing. When you think you're all done, you say, is there one more thing I could have done to build a bridge here? And folks, the call to love does not change because you and I live in a world where 9-11 happens. Can you believe it's been 15 years? The call to love does not change because there's racism, because there's intolerance, because there's unfairness, because there's injustice. The, the call to love doesn't change in those places. That's the exact place that we love. Do you realize the, the first people who heard these words that you and I just listened to was that, that group of people seeking to understand and know their new Savior, their new Lord, Jesus Christ, in, the, in Rome. This is a group of people trying to figure out what it looks like, what it means to follow Jesus in what would arguably be one of the most violent and immoral cultures that's ever been on this planet. In one of the most violent and immoral governments that's ever been on this. But you think we have problems in America? We live in Candyland 
compared to Rome. And that's what God, hey, here's how you do it. Here's how you follow me. This is what it looks like. This is how you respond. This is how you deal with it. It was into that world. So folks, the, the call to love doesn't change because we live in hard times. We are a people who make peace. That's what we're on this planet to do. Now, what, what does it look like to make peace? I mean, when, when two nations are at war and one finally whoops the other and, and, and they wave the white flag, I mean, at that point, there's, there's peace, right? See, so as you read this passage, you think that's what you and I are being called to do? Go out there and whoop the world. And when they finally wave the, the white flag, then, it, then it's over. Does that sound like the kind of peace we're, we're, we're going to get in a fight, we're going to get in a war, we're going to win, we're going to post, we're going to tweet, and we're going to win? That's not what I just read, isn't it? Doesn't peace really in that passage sound a lot more like somebody who's, who's trying to listen and, and understand and Listen to who? Understand who? The people who I naturally don't agree with. I, I don't like what they're saying. I don't understand what they're saying. I don't relate with what they're saying. But that's the place I've got to go. That, that's the place I've got to listen. I've got to, I've got to hear so that I can begin to understand what it means, what it looks like to build a bridge. And not only build it, but cross it. Not, not build it and then I'll go halfway. No, God says you, you go all the way. You do everything you can to bring peace. That's the love that you and I are called to, isn't it? Folks, we live in a, in a society that is getting more and more tense. I'm not implying this is the only tense time in American history, but it's, it's tense, isn't it? We're angry. We're angry at each other. We're angry at them, they, the government, the, the school, the police. We're angry at everybody. They're all wrong. Yeah. So now what? It, it, did, did God say, listen, I want to leave you on the planet so that you can identify who's wrong in the world? No, I've left you here to show what love looks like. I've left you here to show what, what peace looks like. And folks, as I look at what's going on in our world, you just take one problem, racism. Man, the church shouldn't be on the sidelines of that issue. We should be leading in the answers. We should be leading in how that gets resolved in our world. You know, we've seen what's going on the last couple of years. It seems to kind of have come to a pinnacle here this summer when the, in the relationship between police and, and the black community. And folks, as I watch that, I, I think, are we not responsible to bring an answer? Oh, that's the government's job. You know, that's, that's the law's job. No, it's the church's job. It, it's our job to bring that. And how much more our church... Should our church among all churches feel even more a burden to that? Now you might, well, why our church? <laughs> why, why would we feel a different burden than any other church? You know, folks, I, 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 I can't measure every church in America, but I think that we're a little bit unique. Our church has a significant black population, and our church has a significant police population. We have a lot of police in our church. We have a lot of blacks in our church. Both sides of the equation. 
Hey, if there's going to be peace, if there's going to be a conversation, wouldn't it be starting in a church just like ours? I'm not saying we're the only church, but I, I do think we're probably somewhat unique in this way. So I think a conversation should start right here. I don't know where the conversation will go. I don't know what it'll lead to. I don't know if it'll make a bit of difference. I, I really don't. I, I don't have a clue. We'll come back next Sunday and we'll go on to the next thing. I don't know what to do. I just know this from reading this passage. I'm to work at it. I am to work. Not to complain. Not to post to a bunch of people who all agree with me and we can all get mad together. Listen, if what you're doing is getting mad together, you're not walking with God. If what you're doing is getting mad together at them and they and all those who are just not like you, you're not walking with Christ. You're not on this planet for why he left you. And then we say, God, bless me. God, save me. God, protect me from this horrible place I, left, I live in. Did you ever think God's saying, no, I put you in the horrible place that you live in. Make a difference. Make a difference. So we're going to start a conversation today between two blacks and two police officers, all members of our church. You know, it's, the conversation is real. It's genuine. Yes, we got together before this. We kind of talked about where we were going and what we we're doing, but they're not scripted answers. They're, they're genuine. They're, they're, they're genuine responses. I have, a, I have an idea that all three services will sound different today. <laughs> Because it, it's not scripted. Every word coming out is, not, okay, you say this, now you, you say this. You know, as we worked on this, um, it was uh, interesting. Is interesting what you say when you don't want to use the word you want to say? <laughs> you know what it was? It was, it was a little bit tense. I, I, our first time together, I thought, oh, gosh, this is not at all like, I wonder if I could tell these four, I just changed my mind, we're not going to do this. <laughs> Because I am stupid with a capital S. <laughs> you're probably going to hear something today that you're going to say, I don't agree with that. That, that, that. that bothers me. Let me say it again. Okay. So now what? It's into the very places we disagree that we're called to laugh when they laugh and to cry when they cry. It's into the very places that we disagree that we're called to show the love and, and the harmony and the respect and the peace. It's into those places. When you hear all those commands, where do you think you and I fulfill those commands? It's into these very places. Our goal today is that you would hear and understand and not agree or disagree, not validate or invalidate, but that you would just begin to understand I don't have to agree with them. I have to understand where they are. I don't have to agree with why they think they're there. That's where they are. If I don't know where they are, how can I love? If I don't know where they are, how can I bring peace? If I don't know where they are, how can I help? And so that's what we're going to try to do today as we bring together uh, these four members. You listen. Listen with a goal of how can I leave here and begin to become a part of an answer in America. That's such a big thing, we don't really believe it, do we? Like we're really, we're all going to leave here and we're going to solve the problem in America. Why not? Why not? 
What is the reason? No, 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 no individual. No, the people of God are not going to bring an answer to this. Why not? No, let's really seek to be that very group of people. Amen. Let me introduce you to fellow members of yours, people that you would laugh with, that you would cry with. Y'all come on, come on up here. They are uh, excited to be joining me up here after setting it up that way. And this is um, Vanessa Wilkerson right here. And Vanessa is a longtime member of our church. Ten plus years, Vanessa. Are you listening to me yet? <laughs> so where do I sit? Ten, but you've been here about ten. 11 years. Yeah, ten, eleven years. Uh, so that Vanessa mostly goes here, but you travel out to Midlow every now and then, don't you? Yeah, right? And then next to Vanessa is Jack Intagliato, who worships at our Midlothian campus. He became a part of the Heights through our Midlothian campus. I know there's a big shout out there for you. And uh, you can see how they dress, by the way, at Midlow, okay? It's shorts. It's just very, very casual, very smooth and easy, right? And uh, Jack is a uh, member of the Richmond Police Department. How long, Jack, have you been with them? Over, over 20 years, okay? And then next to, uh, next to Vanessa is Chuck and uh, Chuck Elliott, again, a longtime member of the church, over 10 years also, uh, I would assume, and he is a state trooper with uh, Virginia. And then uh, Andre Barrett is also a recently new member. You've been here two, three, two years? A little over two years and uh, worships, all of them worship, serve, very, very active in the life of our church. So uh, let's, let's dive in. We want to make the most of our time. Let me start. Yeah, your panel. They decided, you know what, let's just give them the clap up front because I don't know what we're giving them at the end, right? Okay. Uh, let's start with, with, our, with our two officers here. Uh, gosh, heavy summer. Heavy summer. It's been a heavy couple years. I, you know, in my mind, I think I go back to kind of Ferguson. I'm not implying that's where it started, but, but Ferguson forward, the news, everything that's been going on. What are police officers feeling? What are they, what are they talking about right now? Well, right now we kind of feel like we're caught in the middle uh, of a battle. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this topic this morning is about police and, and the black community. But uh, that's just a symptom of what the problem is. The problem is uh, the relationship between blacks and whites in this country. And uh, we just happen to be the, the spearhead of that. And uh, as police officers, I think we felt this tension uh, between us and the community for a long time. Uh, we're just seeing it more in the news now. Um, as a police officer, when I encounter a minority, um, I feel like that they automatically assume uh, that I'm a racist. So in order to do my job, uh, I feel like that the first thing I have to do is convince them uh, that I'm not a racist. Yeah. And then, th and I know that my outcome, my job performance, how that situation turns out, uh, goes from, from that. Um, you know, I came into police work because uh, I wanted to help people. That's, that's why I joined. Uh, I still feel that way today, over 30 years later. I um, uh, feel like I'm making a difference in my community, and, and that's why I get up and, and go to work every day. And, um, you know, I love it when people come up to me and say, uh, you may not remember me, but, you know, you arrested me, or you gave me a ticket, and it changed my life. 
or it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And that kind of makes it all work. I have never said thank you for a ticket. It changed my life. Changed my insurance, but not my life. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jack, anything? You, oh, I'm sorry, Chuck, were you done? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jack, would you add anything to that? Um, first of all, I apologize. I didn't bring my subtitle machine, so it's <laughs> best to try to understand my accent. Yeah. Um, but I would say that um, the, the biggest problem, as police have today, with, I guess, the general public is a knee-jerk reaction. Um, whenever a, a white cop or a black male are involved in an incident, right away, it's a racist issue, when it may not be. You know, we need to ask the questions, why was the officer there, and what was he investigating? And did the blackmail or, you know, do something to escalate it? And we need to look at those facts, and then before we even look at the facts, you're getting leaders with an agenda coming on scene, giving their biased opinion, and then you're getting the news media who's trying to sensationalize it because it sells stories, and now the police are left with this uphill battle to try to show that, hey, man, you know, here's why we did what we did. And we're trying to be transparent. And, you know, we have to deal with a group that doesn't maybe want to hear the truth. They want to believe their own, you know, whatever it is, you know, they want to believe. But when I say that, I want to caution that because I know, like, if you're saying, well, all black people like that, you know. Because as a cop, I've had plenty of black people come up and thank me for my service. And, you know, it's really kind of, like, humbling and a little embarrassing. You know, I'm at Arby's ordering my meal, and there was a guy next to me. And, you know, I go to pay, and he goes, no, no, I got this. Blackmail. And I'm like, no, no, you don't have to do this. And he's like, no, no, I want to. And uh, so while we're waiting for the food, we get into a conversation. And he tells me, you know, and he's doing most of the talking, and it was just nice to listen. And he's like, you know, it just comes down to one thing, respect. If they just had respect, there wouldn't be any of, you know, the issues that were going on now. So, uh, I, you know, I thanked him, and it was just nice, you know, hearing that, you know, that, hey, you know, maybe someone understands where we're coming from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vanessa, Andre, a little bit of the same question. Uh, current, you know, last two, three years, and, and the issue's bigger than the last two or three years, but, you know, the news, what, what, what are, what's happening in the black community? What, what are people talking about? What are the emotions in the, in the midst of that? Well, uh, first of all, let me say, I don't speak for all black people right. uh, in this church, the community, or the nation. I can only share with you uh, what I feel and what others that I talk to feel. And some of the things that I'm feeling and others are feeling seem to range from frustration to fear. Uh, frustration that it appears that there are one after another police-involved shootings of young black males with no perceived accountability. Um, after the shooting, very often the victims are portrayed as thugs, uh, almost as if they deserve to die, and a lot of times over minor offenses. There's also frustration, and if I can be perfectly frank, anger uh, sometimes with uh, white Americans, because it also appears that very often after these shootings, white Americans immediately jump to the defense and justification of the police officer, mm -hmm. no matter what. 
Meanwhile, that's going on. You have young people of color, predominantly um, black males, who are experiencing anxiety and fear, along with their parents, and I'm one of them, over the lives of their children. Um, you know, it makes many of us wonder if black lives really do matter in the same way that other lives in our culture do. I think I can speak for most black people when I do say um, black people don't hate police officers. They don't hate law enforcement. Um, we're no less appreciative of the difficult jobs that they have to do on a daily basis. Now, what I and many others do question and wonder is if um, society actually values our lives the same way they value other lives in our culture. Uh, I'm of the belief that anything that you don't value, you will very easily dispose of. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of some of the things that I feel and others may be feeling. Yeah, yeah. Andre, anything you would add to that? Um, I guess to piggyback off what Chuck said, this has been going on for a long time. Yeah. Um, it's only because of these smartphones, the cameras, and YouTube now that we are, the media is picking this stuff up and bringing it out to the forefront. Um, and to kind of, I, I, I agree with everything Vanessa says. I mean. Um, it's not, not fun being a black man driving. Mm -hmm. um, the idea that I can be, get pulled over and if I don't walk that tight line, if I don't say the right, the right things, if I don't, if I disagree with them anyway, that can quick, quickly escalate to something that didn't need to happen because I'm, I'm black, because, I don't know, there's just because they can and there's no accountability for that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's funny, but it's not, because like, I'm, I'm always scared when I get pulled over. Not that I get pulled over a lot. That's, what did I just say out loud? Uh, but you know, I'm like, I'm like, yes sir, no sir. But I've noticed when you, when you go to court, and I just go to observe others, uh, when you go to court, almost always the first thing the judge is going to ask the officer is, how did they act? And that, that, whatever color you are, male, female, white, black, everything else, how did that, you know, people act horrible when they get pulled over. I mean, we say awful stuff, act very disrespectful, but I think what you're saying is that can, anybody can act bad, it becomes a very dangerous situation when a black yeah. male acts bad and questions why he's being pulled over. Is that, is that right? Did Correct. I, yeah. Yes, that it will, it, will, it, will, it will go more to just a ticket. I mean, I can go to jail, I can be beat up, tased, or whatever, yeah. killed, if I don't say the right, the right things at that moment. Right, right. Now, I, we, we've said in this question to all of you this summer, last couple of years, obviously this is an issue that has a larger historical context in America. So when you think about the bigger picture, and I'm, I'm asking uh, Andre and Vanessa here, does that add anything to, to what you feel when you step out of what's going on right at this moment and just think about the bigger picture? I think the only way to really truly understand how we feel is to take the historical context in, into perspective. Um, you know, the tensions between the black and the black and the black community and the police officers has been going on since probably the the creation of the modern day police force. Mm -hmm. um, but then we can take it a step further and, and look at how the country has treated black people from the beginning, from the birth. I mean, it hasn't, hasn't been right. I mean, from slavery to through whatever. Um, I mean, the country is built on the premise of all men are created equal, that we all have rights from our creator. But the very um, author of those words either didn't believe that or 
He didn't see black people as a part of that statement. Or is we're more about money that you can make. Yeah. Vanessa, anything you would add? I would um, just just to add what Andre is is talking to, and it's a, as you can see, this is a very emotional topic. So this is not some simple. Um, although we're talking black and white, it's not very black and white. It's very real to those of us who are experiencing it. Racism is something that's been going on in this country for a very, very long time. And for us to pretend that it hasn't or that it doesn't exist is quite foolish. It's quite foolish because it does. Um, Traditionally in our country, racism has been seen as tension between whites and blacks. So let's say you take a white police officer, and now you put on a blue uniform on that police officer, okay? Now that tension between blacks and whites has manifested itself into tension between blue and black. You take the uniform off the white cop, and what do you have? You still have tension between black and white. So because of our, history, our country's long history with race, um, I think that has contributed to the lack of trust and erosion between um, the communities of color and the authorities. You know, in our society and in our community, the, the primary face of authority is the police officer, the very people that we expect to protect and serve us. When that trust erodes or breaks down, um, it's going to be difficult for any society or any community to function the way it should. You know, I'll, I'll say it again. Black people do not hate police officers. Now, many of us do not trust that police officers value and see our lives equally the way they see other people. Okay. Let me ask you all something, and it'd be a little bit of an edgy question. And I might be jumping ahead even to what comes out in another question, but you, you both will say, have said, to, to acknowledge the racism that's there. Okay, now, I'm, I'm going to just be honest. All right, I hear that, hear it on the news, and, and there's a couple of things I want to say. Well, I'm not, I'm not a racist. I don't feel like I'm a racist. I'm, I don't want to be a racist. I want things to be better, and, and haven't, haven't things got better? I mean, what, what, what's the problem? Minus a few things on the news, what's the problem? So I'm not speaking for everybody out here, but I do think there's a tendency of white people to watch the news, to hear statements like acknowledge racism and say, well, I'm not, and hadn't it gotten better? So how do you respond to something like that? Um, I mean, I would say, yes, it has gotten better since, you know, the history of the country. We have yeah. seen improvement. Um, but we still live two separate lives, even though the, the true laws of segregation have, been, have, have gone away with, we still don't interact with each other on a daily basis. So mm -hmm. our, our ideas, our stereotypes... Uh, other than where we're forced to, like, exactly. like a job or something or, like that. Or now at, at church. Yeah. Other than that, we, we don't see each other. We don't know yeah. each other. We don't, we don't have any real relationship, so... All our ideas, all our um, stereotypes that we have are built up by the media, are built up by what we see on TV. Yeah. 
yeah. which if that's a negative stereotype, I mean, that's what you're going to be, that's your operating, that's what you're going to be operating in, yeah. and you don't even realize it. Yeah. Vanessa, would you add anything? You don't need to, but you well, can. Well, I'll add, I'll add something that I've heard you say before. I, I've heard you share a story before about a member that used to be here, and a lot of people, if you've been here a while, you probably remember Natalie Oliver Izell. And um, I remember one Wednesday night, um, you shared this story, but they shared this story with me personally, too. They, they were black, and they went out on uh, Wednesday night visits, went down in, uh, off a of conduit somewhere. And uh, Oliver, uh, who is, Oliver was in, I think, the Marine Corps, is yeah. that correct? He's he a- was like a chief warrant officer. He was very high-ranking, very high-ranking. Oliver rings the doorbell of this white family, and I guess because he was black, I don't know, I can't say, but they became suspicious and called the police. So the police come, and now here's a man out here trying to do God's work. The police come, pull him over, and I guess after basically he explains the story, you know, they let him go. So the question I would pose to you and other whites who think that you know, things are so much better. I'm not a racist. You go out on Wednesday nights, probably used to go out on Monday nights. I mean, you've been a pastor a long time. You've made mm-hmm. a lot of visits. Has anybody ever called the police on you? No. No, and I don't worry about being, I don't worry about that. I don't ever think I could be, that somebody could call the police on me just because I'm, I'm there. Yeah, okay. Um, move to another question, uh, and, and we'll start with the officers again. Not what can people do, what can our church do? What can the people sitting in front of you, how can we serve and help police in what they're trying to manage, what they're trying to do in their job today, in our community? Either one of you jump in on that. Um, Well, I would say that uh, first off is, as a church, we need to avoid the knee-jerk reaction in deciding, like, who's right and wrong until the facts are in, you know, the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians, you know, when they had a dispute, and he's like, why are you taking it outside the church? Is there not one wise person in here that can fairly judge? And, you know, we need to be a people of that, that we could look at the situation, wait for the facts to come out, and, you know, and, and, and take a look and, and weigh them. Understand, take the time to understand what a police officer's job really is and not what you just see on TV. Um, I, that's really important. Um, and we need to teach it to our children so they understand how to do it because Satan is always going to give a little bit of truths here but their lies and a little bit of truth to paint some sort of picture. And yeah, and next thing you know, if your rudder's off a little bit, before you know it, you're, you're really off course. Uh, the other thing is praying. You know, mm-hmm. you know, and I say pray for us. And you know, yesterday, and I know he doesn't know this answer, but I was sitting on my couch and, you know, going over this and, you know, and I'm like, I pray. What do I say about pray? You know, I could give the standard answer. Yeah, pray for us. You know, right? We hear it all the time. Pray. I'll pray for you. But how many people do? You know, I I thought about my prayer life. And it hasn't been the greatest. You know, I'm not going to say it's non-existent and it could be better. And as I was sitting there, you know, when a lot of things are coming to my head and I'm daydreaming about certain things. And, uh, you know, Barack Obama, I voted for the guy twice. But I can't stand them now. And then Timothy, second chapter, pray for your leaders. And I'm like, you know how many times I've talked about that? Nero 
was in charge when Paul wrote that to Timothy. He was feeding Christians the lions, and he's saying, pray for Nero. And I'm not saying Barack Obama is, is that bad. But I was just thinking, right? Uh, please, please don't. But I'm just saying, for me, I'm like, you know, that, that is something that, you know, I, who, you know, the flesh says, hey, I'm a, I'm a white cop, and please look at things my way. But, you know, I want to be known as a Christ follower. I want to see Christ in my life for everybody. Yeah. So, you know, I got to get down and I got to, you know, and pray for that. And you can see we have a vast difference of opinions right here, but... You know, and the other thing about myself is I always tell my wife, I'm a big quitter. You know what? You don't agree with me, I'm out of here. But we got, we got to fight that temptation. I know in my own personal life that we need to work on this relationship and not just quit. When we don't understand it, we just got to stick with it because Jesus says to, yeah. you know. Amen. So today you're kind of looking Amen. at a guy who's partially a son of thunder, like one of James and John. <laughs> but I want to be known as the apostle of love, so. Thank you, Jack. Uh, Chuck, anything you would add to that? I'd just real quickly add that as the church, we need to do two. I ask you to do two things, and I'll do this with you. One is we have to reach out to people that think differently than us, that look differently than us, and we have to share in their pain. The other thing is these communities that we're in, sometimes the kids, the only time they see a white face is at a time of crisis. I challenge the church, get out of your comfort zone. Let's join with our brothers and sisters and go into the same communities that we police and let them see white and black together reaching out and giving them hope. Yeah, we're running out of time, but tell that, tell that story about if you see a white guy and a black guy in a car. Yeah, they always say when I'm down in the city doing interviews, they say if you see a white, car, a white guy and a black guy together, you know they're cops. So I'd like to give them another alternative and say if you see a white and black guy together, it's the church or cops. Amen. There we go. <laughs> uh, Andre, Vanessa, kind of the same question. What can I do? Okay, now I've said probably my natural, that, well, is racism still going on? And I'm not a But we're not talking about whether I'm a racist or not. What can I do? And not just what's going on in my mind, but what can I do? What can we do that serves you, that helps this situation in our culture? Um, you did steal my thunder, by the way, um, last <laughs> question. Um, but, again, we all have certain biases, certain stereotypes to anybody who doesn't look like us. I mean, that counts for me, that counts for anybody. Um, so first, we have to be real with ourselves and understand that. And mm -hmm. then, you know, as Christians, we have to be intentional with making relationships with people who, do, who don't look like us. It's easy to, to stay in our own circle, our own group, but to... No, uh, by relationships, you don't mean just working together. Yeah, no, I don't and mean And getting just, along. No, yeah. <laughs> no, true relationships where, you know, you can really say, that's my friend. Mm -hmm. when, when you really know who they are and what they're about. And um, I think that would be the biggest way to start changing the tide. Yeah, yeah. Vanessa, how, anything you'd add to that? I would agree with everything Andre said. I would, I would add a couple of things. One, I would say one of the things that we could do as a church is, first of all, acknowledge this thing exists. You can't fix a problem if you don't acknowledge there is a problem. Um, I'll piggyback off of what Andre said in the, in the respect of um, getting to know each other. And I'm, I'm talking really getting to know each other. I didn't know any of these people up here. Randy was right. That first night we got together, I knew Chuck. It was like I knew Randy knew he had made a mistake. <laughs> You know, because 
I think he thought we were going to have a 30-minute meeting. That what we were in there about three and a half hours yeah. or so. We started at 6, and, and Andre and I were walking to the car at 9.45. Yeah. And I was thinking, God, get me out of this. <laughs> and and that. let me tell you, it got, it got tense. These two were leaning in, and Chuck and I were kind of like, okay. Yeah. But we have to really get to know each other. Uh, that's the but only that's way just we're... because you and Chuck have been fighting for a long time. This is true. <laughs> Chuck and I have been fighting a long time. But, but if we, we have to get to know each other. Um, we have to, like any, any other relationship, race relations is going to be heavily dependent on trust. And the only way you're going to build trust is to get to know each other. Uh, so we've got to learn to get to know each other. And we have to remember that assimilation is not a criteria for friendship. I do not need to look like you. I do not need to speak like you. I do not need to comb my hair like you to be your friend. And you don't need to do the same thing for me. We just need to respect the differences that each one of us brings to the table. Um, diversity is a beautiful thing. I, my husband's white. I love it. You know, it's a beautiful thing. So we, we have to get to know each other. We have to trust each other. We have to be, like in any other relationship, we have to be forgiving of each other. We have to forgive each other when we say things, make comments, that it, all of us say things that just don't come out right. You know, um, I, I, I like to say that no race or no ethnicity has cornered the market on stupidity. Everyone makes stupid comments. So we have to learn to be forgiven of that. I know that as a, a black female, I have to keep myself in check. I have to remember that every comment or statement that's made to me isn't necessarily a racist slant or slight, unless it's from Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not to be, meant to be that way. The main thing, because I know we're running out of time, that I, I, I really hope that we can remember is, you know, God called us to value all people. He called us to love people without bias or favoritism, no bigotry. You know, God sees every single life as valuable and precious. Whether that life puts on a blue uniform, goes home at the end of the evening to a really nice house with a white picket fence, or whether that life wears a white t-shirt, baggy jeans, and a hoodie, and then goes home to a cinder block project or an impoverished neighborhood. See, to God, that's still a valuable life. And we Amen. need to see it the same way. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. Would you all thank your friends and members of your church, our panel today? Thank you, guys. You know... We've been talking for 30 minutes. Do you realize how little we just talked about? Do you realize how little we... We covered almost nothing. All we did is, is just start. And you know what? It takes love to talk to each other and say, What? You think that? What? It takes love to do that, doesn't it? It take, it, it, you know what? The crazy thing, we, you remember wondering, what did happen that night in your office? You know, I'll tell you what happened. We hugged, we left, and we came back. 
You see, folks, the conversation we're having is not about making America a better place to live. The conversation we're having is about how we follow our Savior and our King. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am not entirely sure where we leave, where this goes from here as we gather as a group or where this goes in our individual lives. But God, I yield, I lay at your feet this conversation. I lay at your feet this time that we have had. I pray that it honors and exalts you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move in and throughout our lives. God, guard and protect us from our defensiveness. I know, and I'm just speaking for me. It's easy to say, I'm not a racist. That's not my problem. God, guide me to what I do to do more than just not be a part of the problem. I read Romans 12 and you clearly want me to be a part of an answer. Help me to realize that's not a good deed I'll do this week. That's an entire way of living life. And Lord, I imagine there's some times I'm going to try to live Romans 12 and it's going to be really fruitful, really productive, and I'm going to feel so blessed. And there's going to be other times I try to live what you're talking about in Romans 12 and I'm going to get burned and I'm going to think, what was I thinking? What were you thinking? Lord, help me help us to be a faithful follower of Christ in the problems of our home, in the problems at work and school, in the problems of our culture and community. In those places, may we be so mindful of what does it look like to follow Jesus right here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.